Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm Trevin Stoltzfus, and I am sitting with Garrett and Tanner. Hey, yo. Explain exactly what we see as we sit, guys. I see a office building <laughs> with a couple people that still work in it. It used to be a very active office building at a coal mine location, and uh, I think a lot of people have moved out because it's pretty empty right now. This it's, is HQ. This is HQ. Yeah. We are here in Kentucky. It has been raining for three days. We're sitting outside on the veranda, or basically the covered porch, because it's so freaking hot now because of the fact that uh, it quit raining and the sun came out. I tried to take a nap in the tent, and I had a Native American Indian sweat box or sweat, what, what is it? Sweat, sweat Lodge, lodge. experience. Go. I hallucinated. Uh, I have seen are the future. That may have been the mushrooms. It could have been the mushrooms that we that have popped up since all the rain. Um, I want to take a second. We are hunting elk in Kentucky just to bring you folks up to speed real quick. But I want to take a second and let's throw it back to 2015. No, 2016. Actually, it started in 2015, and how this, people have asked me all the time, they ask me, how did you get another elk tag? How did you draw another Kentucky elk tag? And so I want to lay the groundwork, and then we'll talk, bring people up to speed, and we're going to try uh, in the next couple of podcasts and kind of take you almost live from the field. Of course, you won't be listening to it live, but uh, we're going to give you kind of a play-by-play of this hunt um so let us begin roll credits intro credits i was in lexington kentucky at the time cabela's was one of our commercial sponsors and i was doing well actually adam dave and i were both we're all doing uh the new cabela's uh, store openings what they would do is they'd open a, have a grand opening of a store. These, uh, I think they're 115,000 square foot stores that they open like 22 in a three year period. And, uh, we would go and you'd greet people and get to know people, spend a couple days in the store. And it was a lot of fun. And Lexington, Kentucky was one of the ones I was, um, given as a, an opportunity to go and participate in. So I did, I went up there. It was great met a lot of people and I'm standing in the kind of I think the archery section or something at a table and I'm talking to people it's busy and of course most of the conversation is about elk I mean excuse me about whitetail and turkeys uh, here in Kentucky and I hear a guy talking about elk and I immediately perk up and um, not to be rude, of course, I finished the conversation perhaps more abruptly than I would normally and work my way to this gentleman and uh, was introduced to Todd Tackett. And we talked for 45 minutes. And what he uh, enlightened me on was that he ran uh, basically the, the, if you want to call it the wildlife management portion or the management portion on a lot of the reclaimed mines for a, a coal mine and um, so they had I want to say at the time it was 60,000 acres in Kentucky that uh, they had just put into a program with the Kentucky Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Department for the conservation of elk also the if you drew a tag you could have access it was like public land they would open it up if you drew a tag they would open it up and you could come hunt elk on their property and along with that he got some tags kind of like landowner tags out out west um, he got some landowner tags for the amount depending upon how many elk and the surveys they did and then he could do whatever he wanted with them give them away sell them whatever and if you know elk and you know kentucky elk it is kind of the holy grail right now of elk hunting as far as places to hunt elk because it's just i think there's 10 11,000 elk and the draw odds are very low especially for non-residents um 
So through the conversation, we struck up a friendship. Um, He was going to be uh, taking or allowing his son, Landon, who I think was 12 or 13 at the time, to hunt elk on one of these tags. And so we got to talking and I told him what we did with the shows and the films and different things. And we kind of kicked around some ideas of, of having us come out here and document help him hunt and document that hunt uh with the show and uh he was going to uh you know give us a tag so we had the opportunity to try and kill two bulls um and to be honest i enjoyed the conversation but when i left kentucky i didn't think much about it but i had his email i had his phone number and um i went home and time passed Christmas came and went and then the next year or maybe it was I don't remember maybe it was the first part of 2016 anyway some time went on and I got to thinking about it I thought I'm gonna shoot him an email because I knew his deadline to get the tags was I think April and you know to submit the names and you had to fill out a form and stuff like that and so I said hey uh, Todd this Trev are you still interested we you know we're setting our schedule this and that well, he got right back to me and said, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Let's let's give it a shot. Come to find out later, you and I were with his wife, Kelly, uh, in the truck last night, driving around, uh, trying to stay dry, um, glassing for some elk. And she talked about how Todd was a little unsure as to if we wanted to do it. Like, man, that'd be cool, but I don't know if these guys are going to come all the way out of here, out here from Colorado to Hunt elk in Kentucky. Yeah, I think Todd was kind of skeptical that right. this was all going to happen originally. Right. I, he wanted to do it, but I think he was skeptical if we were going to follow through. Uh, a little ignite there. Um, so, I think it was a month later my tag showed up in the mail. And then all of a sudden it started getting real. And the first year was different in the fact that um, we had never ever been in this country we didn't have an understanding of of the lay of the land or the plants i mean it's not like you can look at a ridge and say okay i'm gonna go up that ridge like you can out west um basically you have to go where there's openings and, and let me explain why. Well, you've been here two years. You you explain why, Gary. Why, why do I say that? Right. So we use aerial maps, aerial images a lot to look at the lay of the land and the country. And, uh, you know, like even this morning we were looking on the Onyx map on our phone. And you can kind of tell where a ridge is. You can see where a valley is. And if we were going to pretend that we were looking at that image in Colorado and Idaho, Wyoming, we would say, okay, there's dark timber on the north facing slope. It's kind of open on the south facing slope. And you would just go up and over it. Like you could get your way through it. You wouldn't have to go around it. In this country, you can't, you you physically cannot go up and over some of this stuff. It's so thick. There's so much vegetation underneath. And that vegetation usually consists of briars or what what weed was it the lady just told us the name of the weed that grows in there and uh, it it wraps around your legs it catches you you stumble you fall you get rolled up in it it's just it's just nasty stuff so you know this morning we want to go up and over a ridge to get to this bowl that was on the other side you can't go right at him. You can't go in a straight line at him. You have to work all the way back around because that's how the road network lays out. Or you have to catch a gas pipeline that's underneath and they maintain the gas pipeline. So it's it, it's so much more distance you have to travel than and what we're different, used to. You know, we have oak brush and you have to kind of be, you have to, you have to work in tandem with the oak brush too out west. But oak brush, is usually in certain areas so you say okay well here's i got a patch of oak brush here i'm going to drop down and come around usually there'll be some sage or something like that underneath it which you can get through or get above it and you find a cow trail 
a bovine trail or or up an elk trail yep. and you yeah. can get through it here it's just so thick so one of the first nights that i was in kentucky in that first year 2016 um which was when the actual hunt happened um we were i think it was our second night or whatever and here i am i'm with landon tackett todd tackett um, Mike, who is Todd's dad, we call him Paul, and uh, Dustin was supposed to come and film it, and instead we had another gentleman named Craig uh, that was going to be secondary. Well, literally the day we were supposed to leave, Dustin called and said, I can't go. There's no way. My wife is sick. My daughter is sick. I, I can't go. And I said, no, you stay. We'll, we'll go do the best we can. And I was uh, gonna hunt. I was hunting a, with a recurve that year, and I was gonna hunt the first half with my recurve and the second half with my compound bow. And uh, so we are sitting on top of a kind of a point. It's it's basically these gas wells. Uh, they've created this flat, and of course they keep it mowed down so you can you can get up there on the road, and then but you're up high enough, and a bull bugles. And in Colorado or New Mexico or Wyoming or whatever, it wasn't that far. It was on the next ridge, and and these ridges aren't – they're not thousands of feet down and up. They're a couple hundred, okay? So it's the elevation change isn't as, as, as major, um, but it's thick. And I jumped into hunting mode, so let's go. And they all turned and looked at me like I had just smoked the some wacky tobacco. So we bail off and head right toward that bull bugling. I look back and there is four guys behind me. I'm not sure how happy they are because I'm just busting through and we get to the bottom of this ridge and or to you know this the bottom of that that draw go up the other side and the bull's still bugling of course my adrenaline is still pumping and uh i get landon set up with craig and todd landon shooting a, a crossbow and i pull <laughs> i pull pop back with me um, Mike and I hand him a Montana decoy, cow elk decoy, and I say, "Hey, do me a favor. As we're working on this, pop this up, and then put it down. And just kind of hide, and then pop it up occasionally." And I'm calling, and then that bull's bugle. Here he, he's coming on a string, and I'm like, "This is going to happen right here. It's going to be amazing." What I didn't do, I did not account for a actual path. For that bull to get to us so we got to a point he's standing 20 yards off behind a big autumn olive bush i mean thick 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 and he is just bugling and so i just took the biggest log i could have i could find and i went to just raking a bush and he's just i mean he's just seriously getting teed off and he can't get to us, and I, we can't get to him. So I made that mistake. I made that. I learned that. But it was kind of funny because I went back and I looked at Landon. His eyes were about as big as a saucer. Craig, my cameraman, who I think this was his first elk hunt, his eyes were as big as a saucer. <laughs> and then Paul comes over and he goes, "Oh, I, I thought that elk was going to mount me." <laughs> So it was one of those deals where it, that was it was pretty funny. So that first year with Landon, it was uh, it was a learning experience for me because I just didn't understand how to hunt this country. I mean, elk or elk, they the elk here act like you know maybe even a little bit less. Uh, they're less skittish. Um, and, and when the elk get boogered here, they don't go three ridges over. They maybe go three, four hundred yards if you leave them alone, and they'll, they'll set, simmer down. 
because they just don't have the type of pressure that some of the elk in the west do but uh, it's still hard they still have to especially out here they really have to be vocal because you can't glass um, like you can out west in some of the open country and find them and water is everywhere so you know it's not an issue on these mines they have a ton of these holding ponds and stuff like that and uh, so there's plenty of places for them to water um, so we really were counting on the rut and then uh, we had a couple other close calls and ended up going on in to uh, the start of rifle and uh, in the meantime um, landed and Todd would come and hunt with us and then they'd have to go back to school, um, work, stuff like that. So, so it was kind of they'd come hunt with us for a couple days, and then we'd hunt for a couple days, and then they'd come back. We'd hunt together, and in the meantime, I found a really big bull, and I had, I had him at twenty yards a couple times, but again, I couldn't. We just couldn't. I couldn't get an arrow to him. That type of deal. He was a big bull, and so when rifle came around. Um, worked out really good we were able to go into where i had seen him multiple times and uh landon did a great job and killed a phenomenal bull uh 364 i think is what he ended up scoring just a phenomenal bull and uh and so that was 2016 now 2017 you or, uh, yeah 2017 you guys were with me so uh, that was your first introduction to to Kentucky. What what was your first thoughts on when you guys came out? Because now Ashton, who is Landon's little brother, and he was eleven last year. Ten. Ten last year. He was ten. Wow. He was going to get to hunt for his first time. So we kind of did the same thing and came out here. So Tanner, tell us tell us what you first thought when you first got here. Uh, I mean, it's just. I mean, the differences are just, I mean, it's obvious. It's so thick. It's, I mean, I've hunted elk in some really thick country in Southern Colorado, really thick oak brush for miles. And, um, I mean, it's kind of the same, but as far as not being able to see the bull, um, see the bulls and stuff. So, but at least the bulls can still, uh, come through to you as where some places here it's so thick they can't even make it through the brush <laughs> we just are joined right now by mr todd tackett himself okay. we're gonna have him sit down put a headset on a special guest coming special in special guest coming in part way here yeah How can that. you hear <laughs> no <laughs> okay here oh so, yeah, I can. so todd um what we're doing is we're kind of recapping this hunt so far. Well, actually, we're not even to this hunt. We're still to 2017. We just talked about Landon's hunt and the history of that, how you and I met, and then the unique challenges I had learning how to hunt in this country. And you were firsthand privy to my over-eagerness of thinking I could just go straight beeline to a bull that first night remember we heard that bull on that ridge over and i said let's go and you guys looked at me like i was crazy yeah yeah <laughs> but it, we almost almost capitalized on that bull but one of the things i learned in that hunt was that you have to use the topography and the existing road structure to your advantage well i got a question what have you learned how to hunt, hunt these bulls? <laughs> well, I don't know. They talk like he did. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I've learned. Uh, I do know that I have uh, definitely. Uh, yes, I have learned. I think I've learned. I don't think I, I know everything there is to it, but I do know that you're not going to be able to go straight at these bulls in a situation. You have to give them a path to come to you as much as you get a path to come to them. Right. And the weather conditions have to be right as well. Yeah. yeah. You knew all that kind of coming in, Todd, just because you've grown up in the area. You, you you know, it's second nature to you. And I think for us coming in here was such a shock. Well, I knew the area. I didn't know the elk. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Because you, yeah, you've hunted whitetail here, turkeys here. I mean, you, you knew how that all went down. Right. So going into Ashton's hunt, I, I was trying to get the, the, the guy, because now they had never seen the country. This was their first time when we showed up to camp for Ashton's hunt. So um, Tanner was kind of telling us his his idea of what it was to show up to country like this and uh so go back to that you so you've hunted oak brush yeah it's i mean i've hunted oak brush that's you know it just goes on for miles and um and it's thick and a lot of times a bull bugle and you can't you can't see him um but he can still go through that and you can somewhat sometimes get get through to them um but some of this, these hedges and stuff are so thick here, they literally will just walk around. And uh, and it's weird being not being able to glass them up from two miles, you know, if you, there's a lot of times if they're not talking, you can just go sit on a high point in Colorado and you're gonna see elk somewhere because it's much more open, so. And for us, because it's, it's so, uh, it, it's so thick, you're really relying a lot on them calling sounding off and we've had times remember that time with landon uh we got in that bull and we were trying to work that bull and we were actually had heard another bull and then we look up and i think you were like oh look at that bull you know and mm-hmm. so we had opportunities where you got other bulls sounding off and and uh you really need that because you can't see mm-hmm. you can't see the only thing we can see really in, over here is is that big open meadow right and it's not like you can't get to what we would consider glassing points. I mean, there is really good topography up here that you can get to the top of a ridge or you can get out at the point and you think you should be able to see a lot of country, but it is so thick that, that they just aren't visible. Now, you can't see through the brush. You can't see through the trees. They're just not visible. November, December, after a good freeze, this country looks different, right? Because there's a lot of the deciduous trees lose their leaves, right? Right. So... Can you see, I mean, more during that time of year? You can up on the ridges, the main ridges and and such, but, you know, where you've got the autumn olives, you still can't see through those. I'm pretty sure um, when Eve bit the apple, one of the punishments was autumn olives (laughs) because those things... They poke you, they stick you, they, I mean, those things are the sur- sur- scourge of the devil because they're so thick. And um, now, over here where we're hunting now, there's not as many, it seems, as as over where we've hunted in the past. And why is that? You know, I'm not sure. During the period time period that the some of the re- different reclamations was done in the area, I would say that has something to do with it. That over there was was reclaimed a lot longer ago than what this was. Now, would that have been a seed? Yes. Back back in the earlier days, you know, you would have the autumn olive would be part of this part of the reclamation seed mix. And autumn olives are native to this. No, they're invasive. They are Mm -hmm. okay. So, uh, you know, Adam does a lot of reclamation work in Nebraska, and he's got Russian olives, and he fights those tooth and nail. And so I'm assuming they're a similar species where they'll just come in and take over a pasture. Yeah, they'll take it over. We have, we've got several jobs right now that uh, we're having to go and cut the autumn olives off of. And, uh, like, when you go out toward sang branch on the other side of the million dollar bridge we've got an area there that of about 400 acres that we cleared just before air or just after air hunt last year mm-hmm. we had to clear that area um but yeah it's it's all based on when your reclamation was done when your permit was done if it's an older permit then the autumn olives are fine but if it's a newer permit then you're going to have to cut the autumn olives off of it when they come up if they're you know if they're overly invasive right 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 all right getting back to the hunt so we we show up now ashton i want to take just a second because i have a ton of respect for your boys i had a ton of fun with both of them hunting but they're different landon let me, um of course landon's taller than i am now but at the time that he ain't, 
that ain't saying a whole cool. lot. Right, wait, okay. <laughs> All right, all right. Sorry about that. Glad you said it. Okay. You just want to, Tanner. I just saved you. Yeah, thank you. So Landon is quiet. He's got a good sense of humor, but it's kind of dry, you know, and and, um, he's got to get to know you a little bit better. Um, So Landon, with Landon, I think he probably said four or five words in the first week. He loosened up a little bit later. And then, uh, then he got pretty excited after he killed his bull. But Ashton is more like me in the fact that he can't sit still. He wants to be going, going, going. And so Ashton and I kind of hit it off. Yeah. Well, you know, when you guys pulled in over there last year, he was right there with you. Right. The whole time you all set up camp, I was sitting there just watching him. He was just walking back and forth. Oh, yeah. It's probably more in the way than he was a help, but no, he and, and it was great because so yeah, <laughs> I, I'm glad you said it because I was wanting. Um, so, uh, where we camped last year was the same place we camped the first year with Landon, and it was uh, an open area, uh, a kind of a clearing where we were. We had some height, um, but there wasn't. Uh, any trees or anything it wasn't like the typical camping spot but it was fine and we'd get back and we'd go to start cooking or whatever and Ashton was right there with us mm-hmm. all the time where Landon would do his own thing or watch it you know he'd go in the in the trailer and watch it, a movie or something like that and um, so it was really interesting to see the personalities of two brothers and how different they are both respectful both good good kids um ashton we took him on the death march when we heard that bull bugle over there at at bevan's branch and what did we call that bull uh jp the gatekeeper yeah jurassic park gatekeeper i mean he i mean he had a deep just a oh boy we wanted to kill that bull and we chased him over some some rough stuff and boy he was there every step of the way Every yeah. step of the way. But now you got to remember, we did the same thing with Landon. Yeah. I think the second night you took us right through the brush. Oh, yeah. we go. Let's go straight for him. You yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a learning experience for me. We walked in. We had to crawl back out. <laughs> well, and you know what? We were lucky you could get a little service on your phone because we were basically looking to find uh, the just the closest road we didn't care about the road we came in on we just wanted the closest road and then we could walk that around and it's pitch dark paul i think he's bleeding oh, oh yeah his he's coming, arms were, blood coming from everywhere yeah. yeah yeah so um oh the wind's picking up a little bit rain's supposed to come back in tonight hopefully can you hear that yes a little bit okay That's... anyway um onward so Ashton, we get down again. We we had that uh, first encounter that first day. Uh, we're in that bottom, and Tanner uh, called that bull in. It wasn't a cow this time. No. It wasn't a cow. Yeah. Tell that story about Tanner. Tanner. All right. What can I say? He is the greatest <laughs> cow caller. And, and I'm not talking about an elk cow either. I'm talking about Bovine. any kind of cow but an elk cow. <laughs> They will always answer. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Or sometimes it's the dog, you know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just been funny because uh, we'll get up on a point or something and it's quiet and then Tanner will bugle and then off in the distance we'll hear, <laughs> a cow will answer him. Uh, well, at least something is. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's been consistent. He's done it a couple times this, this trip too already. Yep. No, no, you can't. You got to give him that. The first call he made. <laughs> Man, there's, yeah. there's, uh, yeah, there's no slack in this camp. So, um, so we, 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 we're walking that first morning there with Ashton. Uh, bull bugles. We set up, and it works almost perfectly. Um, bull comes. We're set up just off of the road. Bull comes up. You guys saw him first because he was just down the road from you, what, 100 yards, 110 yards? Hundred, Yeah, 109 yards, 110 yeah. with a rangefinder. I remember I remember listening to the footage, and all I can hear, Todd whispered to Ashton, his, ah, 
he's too small. And of course, I see the bull, and I'm like, I'm gonna shoot him. You know, I mean, that was a decent bull, three, ten. Uh, yeah, he's probably bigger than that. Probably, you know, and I'm pretty, pretty excited. You got to remember, Ashton was competing with his brother, just like his mommy is right now. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there's a lot of comp- there's a lot of pressure on Tanner. I um, was looking for a 360, you know, yeah. 360-ish. Well, I I kind of moved off to the side when I saw he was trying to circle to get the wind, and Garrett and I set up and almost worked out. We had that bull coming. And I would have had a shot, about forty yard shot, and, it, you, and he you probably are. You probably had a shot, but you was waiting for the better shot. You know, right before he stepped behind that. Yeah. You know, you was waiting for him to get behind the bush so I could draw. so you could draw right. after he stepped out. But right before he come to the bush, it looked to me like you had a, a shot opportunity there. It was about a fifty two yard shot, yeah, and he was, was a little quartering to me, so I yeah. didn't want. I didn't feel. And I wasn't at full draw. I didn't think I could get away with it. So I was waiting for him to go behind that bush, come to draw, and then I we could stop him. And then, anyway, it didn't work out. He barked, and off he went. And then we had a lull. It got hot. Uh, I think you guys went back. Ashton had to get back to school for uh, uh, three or four days. You said enough. I had to go back. You know. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> it does seem to be where... When you're not around, the bulls just—it's like they like you flip a switch when you leave, and the bulls just shut up, and then you come back and they start calling again. Like today, we hadn't heard hardly a bugle. You guys showed back up last night, and they bugled all night long. Yeah, yeah. You guys can't leave anymore. <laughs> so um, the hunt went on. We do we do we really have any other close calls other than that bull that we hunted on the ridge that we could never get off the ridge he would he would stand up and bugle at us but he wouldn't come down yeah that was our first experience of the country and what you know i don't think we believed you to say that the elk can't get to you if they you know if there's not a path like they physically can't get to you and i remember sitting on the bottom of that ridge and that bull's only 50 yards away screaming at us and tanner's behind calling with the decoy and that bull wants to come down, there is no physical way that bull could get to us. I think that was the first eye-opener for us to be like, well, this country is way different than anything we've seen before. Right, right. And so um, as the week went on, we popped around. We we tried. We went back over to another spot, we, uh, Bevan's Branch, and we got into some elk. We never really had uh, an opportunity with the bow for for Ashton. Right. So, uh, again, he was just going to uh, hunt with a crossbow. And uh, the way it is in Kentucky is during bow season, you can hunt with a crossbow. And uh, then when rifle season opens up, I guess you could for still... For youth. For youth. youth. Right. Um, you could hunt with a bow during rifle season if you wanted. That is correct. Right. But and, and crossbow season is in right now for, mm-hmm. for elk, so. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. It opens up bow, bow only the first week. Second week, crossbow season comes in and bow, so. And then, then it goes the, on the into rifle. the following week is rifle. Okay. And that starts this week mm-hmm. and on Saturday? Saturday. Saturday, okay. So we've got, we're going to do the same type of thing. We're going to, we got uh, four or five days to try and uh, get Kelly, your wife, who we are hunting with this, this trip, uh, into position and try and call in a bull. Um, but as the, the that week with Ashton wound down, uh, we turned a rifle and we ended up going to another area. And, um, well, talk us through that one, guys. Garrett, you want to tell us how that went down? That was a, a crazy start to the morning because we, we were sitting on a, an, a mining road, I guess a gravel road that the mining trucks run on, and we could hear them fighting. And it was pitch dark yeah, still. Yeah. It was, still pitch dark. It was and, pretty yeah. well silent, though. There wasn't a whole lot of wind noise. There wasn't much ambient noise other than a truck that would cruise by every once in a while. And we could hear antlers crashing down in the, um, in the I guess it's, a, it's an old impoundment correct yeah that's great yeah a flat down in the bottom and they were just going at it so we knew they were down there and 
I think the hardest part was figuring out a way to get a couple guys around into a clearing that we could, you know, get a shot through. And that's kind of where Tanner stepped in and he was kind of doing some reconnaissance of figuring all that stuff out. And, and Yeah, and those bulls ended up kind of working around the corner, um, headed to a ridge to bed. And so we uh, got around there and were able to get above them. And, and they're, they're good bulls in there. There was how many? There was how many bulls down there? There was uh, total. I think there was three or four. Uh, there was two really good bulls. Yeah. And that, and to be honest, it was a little bit hard to keep track of the two good bulls. Mm-hmm. One was a little bit further out. What was that? Two hundred yards out. And then we're looking at that bull, and then all of a sudden, because of the steepness of where we were set up, this whole herd of elk came out from underneath us. And they weren't 100 yards. And I think um, that bull was just screaming. And then that's when Ashton got set up. You got him set up on his shooting sticks. And he did a great job for a 10-year-old at the time. And um, made some, just just made a great shots. Yeah, that, that bull was dead at Ashton's first shot. Yeah. It was still standing, and we, I think Ashton put another two mm-hmm. rounds into it after that. But that bull was dead on Ashton's first shot. Yeah. That was incredible. He put it right where it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, then that was fun. We went and, and recovered that bull, and and then uh, um, it was later. You guys took off, right? Yeah. You loaded him up and what? took him to the processor, and and we hunted that I- that evening. And just off of that area, um, it, you I think we were just driving. I think we were driving to an area to glass, and you said, there's a bull up a little two-track road. You happen to glance up there and see a bull raking his antlers. Yeah. And we were able to sneak back around there. and Yeah, kind of. We snuck back around and got on him, and was that was the shot the shot was i think it was maybe 50 yards yeah <laughs> maybe and again kind of threw some stuff and and uh he took up he wheeled and took off and i kind of hightailed it around and got another shot into him and then um uh, then it got dark yeah dark dark and um we got on the blood and then we just decided hey, let's just back out yeah, um, we got we well we got to where we couldn't we weren't bit tracking it anymore. It was just a couple drops here and there, and hard to keep track of. So, so we backed out and came back in the next morning and found him. He was wasn't what a hundred yards f- further down that road. Yeah, hundred and fifty, not far. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, that so that completed two thousand seventeen, and so here we are. We left last friday which would have been the 21st i believe the 21st of september what we missed was our trip over last year remember yeah we had some excitement just on the trip over we got to quinter kansas which if you don't know where quinter (laughs) is so does everybody know you're not alone everybody else doesn't know where it is it's 50 miles outside of hayes kansas and Hayes is bigger than Quinter, but if you don't know where Hayes, Kansas is, that's you're not alone on that either. Um, another small town, and we broke down. And I called Todd. I think I was like, we are broke down in the middle of nowhere. And we were really fortunate because I happened to call a buddy of mine, um, Matt, and, and he came and picked us up. He lives right there. And we had a wrecker pick up the... Uh, suburban which we lost our rear differential we started smelling something <laughs> we're like you smell that <laughs> yeah it was our <laughs> rear end yeah. sure and, was and I don't mean our rear end I mean like the rear end of the vehicle and um, and so I happened to, to there was an enterprise rental, rental place and I got luckily they, they told me there was a vehicle, like a three-quarter ton Suburban or something. You know, I, I needed something that would haul all our stuff, right? And uh, so 
I say, okay, well, hold it for me. Well, on the way there, they call me back and say, it's not here. And I'm like, crud. I said, well, we got, we got to get something. I'm going to have to get a car and rent a car and drive back home and get my pickup. Is it raining again? Yep, it's raining. Oh, my goodness. Um, I got to take a break. I got a time lapse running okay, right now. Okay, all right. So go, why don't you go take care of that? I better grab that. Um, and so I walked into the rental, the Enterprise rental place with five minutes left to go on their homecoming weekend on a Friday. So they were going to be done. I mean, it was going to be Monday morning before I was going to get anything done unless I got to town. So Matt gave me a ride. I walked in, and somebody had just returned a Power Stroke four-door, you know, so I had to rent a vehicle, which we did, and uh, ended up getting on the road. Well, the whole thing this year was we didn't want to have any car vehicle, or vehicle problems. And um, <laughs> so we, as we drove by Hayes, Kansas this year, we were pretty excited <laughs> that we hadn't had any problems. <laughs> and we made it into Illinois, the little part of Illinois that we go through after Missouri before we get into Kentucky. We were 150 miles out of Louisville, and uh, it was 3.30 in the morning. It was my shift. I was driving, and I pulled in to get fuel, and I got out, and I heard I'm like, what? What is? And my left rear tire, the valve core, was just cracked. I don't know. I don't know what happened, if it's dry rot or whatever. But so we ended up. Uh, I don't. I guess you could call it a breakdown. I don't know, but we were fortunate. We went to Denny's, had some breakfast, um, French toast slam. Yeah, you had a French toast slam. I, we, we won't even talk about. Excuse me. We won't even talk about the debacle that was us changing the tire. Yeah, that's, uh, we just skip over that. Well, part. and the one one thing about it is, I had. The, you know, I had a smaller tire as my spare, which I was very concerned about uh, screwing up my rear end with that. So, like you said, I would have had to... Yeah, take one off the front and put it on the back. Put it on the back. And, and put the spare on the front. So we just decided we were going to eat breakfast and then go to a tire shop when it opened at 7.30. And so that's what we did. So it only put us back about an hour and a half, two hours. But we made it, so. And we got Denny's, so. And we got Denny's. We I mean, got that going for us. It was kind of a win-lose. Yeah. I think it's a win. I think it's important to mention through that whole experience, though, that blocking your tires while you got your wheels up on the jack is probably a smart idea. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're in the rear end <laughs> and it wants to roll. Yeah. So, uh, so, so. Oh. So there you have it. Um, so we got here, and um, let's set the scene, and uh, we'll kind of bring people up to speed, and we'll call it good on this part one podcast for Kentucky Elk 2018. But we pull up, and where we're camping, Todd's got his trailer set up already. You set it up what? Last Wednesday. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, it's a parking lot. So it's not like you pull off the pavement because you're on dirt roads. I mean, we're back in this mine, but it's a very, very nice office building. There's a parking lot. There's a basketball goal up. Um, we pull in, and uh, there's Wi-Fi in the office. Now, there's nobody in the office except for there's a, a gal, that one of the engineers that works here. Very nice, Teresa. We've met her. Um, and you know some of the guys, but uh, you're talking about an office building that is basically empty. Yeah. But it still has chairs. It still has uh, old office equipment. It's uh, unlike a unlike a scene from The Walking Dead. Yeah. Where it just happened, and it's just a capture in time. So we've set up our tents out in the back next to the helicopter. Um, <laughs> what, what would you call this? The helicopter helipad. Uh, helipad. Okay, and um, and then uh, you even had them mow the lawn for us. Um, so we're roughing it, um, but you can't drink the water, so we still got to bring our own water. Right. And um, they do have bathrooms. They have Wi-Fi. 
they have a kitchen because I forgot our dadgum camp stove <laughs> like an idiot. So um, life is good. Life is good. Um, we have the ability to get out. Like I was trying to take a nap in the in the tent, and it was so hot. I literally went had a few hallucinations, <laughs> um, like an old Indian sweat lodge. But you know, you can sit out here. We're sitting on the porch uh, under a nice, you know, covered. Uh, what do you call this? Uh, basically, a porch. Porch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then we go inside. How about a patio. Patio. There we go. <laughs> A yeah. covered patio. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first day we got here, uh, we didn't did we hear, we didn't hear a bugle. You had no, heard I, them. Yeah, they had bugled yes, uh, the first morning. Like they did this morning. Right. A cu- you'd heard two yeah. or three, four going off from yeah. here. Right. And uh, but when we pulled into camp, it it basically had rained from that point to this morning. That's right. And this morning was the first time it it cleared off, and uh, I will say we did see a pretty good bull, but it was raining so much we really couldn't make a play because it would have just fried all the equipment. Um, so we kind of sat back and watched him, and we've seen him a couple times. Uh, and then this morning, um, we got into the same area and they started being a little more vocal well last night we had one bugling all night long here but it was the storm was starting to dissipate a little bit now it's supposed to come back in this evening and on into tomorrow again and then it's supposed to clear up for 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 a while right but um we have seen a ton of deer movement um but the elk have kind of shut down and it seems like they're starting to get back they should be Rutten. I mean, it should be perfect timing for us, but we just haven't heard uh, the elk that we would have in, in years past at this time of, of of the of the month of September. So it's pretty exciting. We uh, we're here. We're having fun. Kelly, of course, now is up to bat. Kelly is your wife, and you've been married uh, twenty years now. Yes, this that's year, correct. Mm-hmm. yeah, twenty years in July. How's that working out for you? Oh, that was a long pause. <laughs> I'm we'll, still here. We'll, we'll, sh- we'll shorten that pause in in, in post. Um, <laughs> you can leave that part out. Okay. <laughs> but Kelly, uh, let's talk about how that happened because Kelly, I think last year we were joking around a little bit, and she said something about it's my turn, or I, you know, and I took her serious, and I said, all right, and. Let's be honest. Did you think she'd do it? No, I did not. I did not think she would. That's the reason I told you I wasn't asking her. (laughs) Because she would have told me no. Well, I did bribe her with some really cute Sitka gear. So so she is set up with some really cute Sitka gear for women. Camo. So she's comfortable. And, um, you know, the the whole goal here is to really uh, just like with Landon or Ashton, you know, get them in a situation, have them enjoy it, and expose them to uh, something a little different. She's not a hunter. No. Would you agree with that I statement? I would. But she has nothing against, or she has no problem, because you've been hunting for, well, you were hunting even before you started dating her, oh, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. So, her brother hunts. She was talking, mm-hmm. telling us about her brother, her brother hunts, and, and stuff like that. So, we're excited. We will get Kelly on. We'll get her perspective on this hunt as, as it goes forward. Um, so stay tuned, and uh, we'll we'll keep the people updated on how things go. You guys got any parting words before we end this part one? I don't think so. <laughs> Not any that are important. Okay. You, you got any strategies we're going to employ, Tanner? Uh... I like to keep all my strategy, strategy secret, really. So I don't yeah, know he pretty much just goes yeah. off the cuff. He's he's one of those type of people. I bet that. Well, here's what we should have done. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh well, I mean, if you don't yeah. do that, right. Right. that way you're always right. I am. I'm usually right. I, I, I was wrong. Well, I you, take that back. I wasn't. <laughs> you were wrong. That you were wrong. Well, yeah. yeah. I, so, I thought I was wrong. Once. I will say one thing about this rain, Todd. 
as I've noticed, is that the stink bugs, which uh, another, along with the autumn the surge of the devil. I don't even want to talk about stink bugs. Last year when we got home, I sent you that picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've, we did a bug bomb in our trailer. <laughs> and I mean, there must have been 300 stink bugs that we swept up after we did that bug bomb. I did two bug bombs, and actually. wasn't there live ones? Yes. So how big a trailer is this enclosed? It's enclosed, 14 foot. I can get a side-by-side, you know, drive a side-by-side in it. It's not a very big trailer, and you put two bug bombs in it. And and there were still still stink bugs alive. That is wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. Well, we found stink bugs alive in the (laughs) office all the way through, I think, April of this last year. So I don't know what their lifespan is or if they breed and then lay eggs. I don't know what it is, but we have infested Colorado with these dadgum stink bugs. I will bugs. say everybody else has found stink bugs somewhere. I went through a thorough um, process to de-stink bug my gear. There's a thorough screening process, and I have not found a stink bug yet. Well, so. even Dustin said in his at his house he found two stink bugs in his basement. Well, remember he sent that picture of that one on his ceiling. Yeah. Well, with this rain, though, we haven't had near the stink bugs. And I don't think they have as many stink bugs over here. you got to think, where we were camping at over there, you probably had, you know, how many acres was that field? Oh, I don't know. 400? Yeah, probably, you know, three to 400 acres field, and we're set up right at the edge of it where all the wind pushes right up to us, and I think that's what this the stink bugs was just carrying up through there you could see them on the side of our trailer on the side of the camper i mean they was just covered just covered and it i think also um jack your cousin brought up a good point that they eat the autumn olive fruit and it was that whole area was surrounded with autumn olives and they were blue or the we even you even you know you could eat them and they're kind of a a tangy tangy little fruit but uh yeah. yeah, they're kind of like a persimmon. You know, mm-hmm. if you get them when they're green, they'll like draw your mouth up. But if you if they're ripe, they're actually pretty good. Yeah. So uh, maybe that's it because there's not as many autumn olives over here. But, well, um, I think that wraps us up for this part. Stay tuned to, to the, the, the follow-up for this. We'll keep you posted what's going on. Um, I'm sure there'll be some laughs. There'll be some more stories. And uh, as always... Uh, Get out, find your wild, find what inspires you and embrace it.